0: If we have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdell. This is my entourage, Travis Jordan, (laughs) or my road crew, or whatever you want to call it. Help me out today to get the table out here. Uh, It's Easter. Uh, The program today is such a beautiful way of sharing the good news of Christ, His resurrection, the Easter story that changes our lives, and it's a great way to celebrate. I love the music. I love the images. I love being here and celebrating together. A very special time for us. If we have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdell. And in that, uh, in that journey of who I am, uh, we are already celebrating last night worship here. Uh, 9 o'clock was here as well today. Uh, we had 8.15 worship in our sanctuary. Uh, we will have a 5 o'clock worship again today. And we had a sunrise service in the rain. We now are coining the term the rain rise service uh, that Pastor Caesar led at 7 o'clock. And I got the report on that. Normally we have two to 300 people there at that service. Today we had 60 and a dog. And so, we're debating as a team whether we should count the dog in attendance or not. Now, if it was a cat, no, no, no. We're <laughs> I got one smattering of applause on that. A lot of laughter. A few folks says, cats? I love cats. I, I, get, I get that. I kind of, kind of like cats some. Um, today is Easter again. I'm going to read Matthew 28 few verses there, and realize with me uh, these words that are, are, are telling a story of Easter all rise from a graveyard. That's where they come from. That's where this happens. That's where the words are spoken. That's where we hear the communication of Easter. It is birthed, you got it, in a graveyard, a cemetery, an area where the dead are laid to rest whatever term we want to use. Here's what happens that Easter Sunday morning more than 2,000 years ago. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalena and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Uh, Many years ago, I was in college. I went to a Christian college, and there I went to, the only time I actually went to the day prayers they would have, I usually went home where my wife was, uh, where we were getting ready to have a new baby as well at the same time. So I didn't usually do this. But that day, I decided to go to kind of morning prayers there uh, in a small room for those who wanted to do that at that Christian college. And toward the end of that, uh, a man got up and said, by the way, if anyone's looking for a job, and I, my ears perked up. up. I've been looking for a job for eight months. Uh, going to college, had the GI Bill help some. Having a baby that was going to come in about two weeks. Her name is Julie, we, uh, and we'd already named. If, if it was going to be a little girl, she's going to be Julie. So I was waiting for that. Needed some money. Saying, "Lord, have mercy upon me." And He said, "But it's only for veterans." I'm a Navy veteran. I ran down like that, and I'm the, I'm your man made my way to the job, didn't know what it was, and it was at the National Cemetery there in Missouri where I would work for more than two years my way through college. A lot of things went on at that cemetery, that graveyard. It was a uh, Civil War cemetery, but we still buried people there still to today. Burials still happened in that very unique cemetery. And I had a friend I worked with. He was in his 50s in those years, World War II veteran, uh, and he spent his time since the war actually serving and working in that cemetery. I remember walking down uh, by one of the aisles there where graves were, and he said, there's an empty spot right there. And there were a few, very few in that area. It was a very pretty area, and there were trees around it. Beautiful, beautiful place. And so he said, right there is where I'm going to be buried one day. And I thought, well, that's okay. You know, I'm in my 20s, so I'm not thinking much about dying, that kind of thing in my life. And so uh, not long after that, I found my way on vacation. We went to Texas to see my family. My, Ronnie went with me. And when I came back, went back to work that day, walking down that same road, I saw somebody's buried in Fred's grave. He's going to be so mad when he finds out. And when I got there and saw who it was, it was Fred. Uh, he had died while I was gone. Very suddenly, had the entire funeral and been buried, made me think. My, my heart skipped a beat. My friend could die that I expected to see that day when I returned from vacation. Many things happen in cemeteries. Uh, I preach funerals there on occasion for those because the, 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 the one who read the cemetery asked me to do that. I so with my suit, put my suit on, uh, go into the funeral, then, uh, then, then redress again in blue jeans and go bury the person that I just did the funeral for. I did that. My first, my first sermon was a Funeral sermon at a cemetery, at a national cemetery. I weighed 150 pounds back in those years. I weighed 200 pounds today. Some folks still think I'm too skinny, but I weighed 150 pounds then. And I look back, I wonder why. Well, I mowed grass eight hours a day in the hot Missouri sun, and I look back now, I'm probably burning 5,000 calories a day. No wonder I weighed that. It was hard work at that cemetery. It was a place that marked death. It celebrated death. It remembered death. It, it was a place where people went after they dead and mourned. It was dedicated to death, grief, and loss and memories. That's what it was about. That's what cemeteries are. That's what graveyards are. But in the same place, there was also great beauty. There were enormous redbud trees. In Texas, they're very small, but for some reason there, they grow enormous. In the spring, so beautiful with the red buds and then the pink flowers that come from that. Uh, they were very large red maple trees. In the fall, it was amazing the beauty of the reds that filled that cemetery. Huge, huge uh, blue spruce trees. And there were uh, great statues, uh, 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 stone walls around. It was a beautiful place. Somehow, in the middle of this place of death and mourning and grief, there was also great beauty. Somehow it was connected. So please hear this. We cannot understand Easter, we cannot make sense of Easter without going through Good Friday and the crucifixion. We have to know both stories to properly celebrate Easter, to really appreciate the magnitude of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to, 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 to know that we have to embrace the contrasting moments of a grave and the empty tomb, of grief and then joy, of tears, and then celebration And what God gives us. The resurrection does that for us. The resurrection rises from the beauty of where God is born anew in the ugliest season, where the justice of God is born in the most unfair of seasons, where the, the new life is born in a season that simply is marked by death. And that's our Easter story because that's our story the story of all humanity that God enters in the beautiful way he does at Easter and why we are here. So here is the question I want to ask. If this is true, why are so many of us still living in the graveyard when it's time to step into Easter? If Easter is true, what you just saw in the beautiful performances here, the light that came up behind Jesus in the rain. If that is true, if that's the story of the church, of those who believe in Jesus Christ, of those who come on a rainy day to Easter Sunday to worship in the Performing Arts Center, if that is true, why are so many of us still living in the graveyard? Living in grief, or living in loss, or living in fear, or living in doubt, or living in despair, or living in hopelessness, or living in meaninglessness. Why are so many still living that way? And the message is, why are we living in the graveyard? It's time to step out into Easter. Step into Easter in this message titled, Life and Death, because Easter is life and death. Not as a life and death of God in Christ, but my life and my death, your life and your death. That is our celebration today in this great story, because for me, Good Friday, when Christ was crucified, and the resurrection of Easter makes sense out of life. Everything I see in the world that I live in, everything that I experience, good and bad, everything we walk through together, makes sense only in the light of God's act in the world, in both the cross, a crucified Savior took six hours to die on a cross. And the resurrection that followed, where they go to a graveyard to mourn, and in a moment they celebrate. It makes sense out of life. That's what Easter is about. You don't know we sometimes can be distracted from that. Busy lives, all kinds of things going. There are many ways that we celebrate Easter in our world. I do, you do, we all do. In fact, there are some interesting facts that I've discovered that the largest Easter egg ever uh, weighs over a tonne. And when I read that, Easter egg over a ton, all I thought was, poor chicken. (laughs) Now, I think it was a chocolate egg, probably, the reality of that is, and how we got from uh, Easter eggs to chocolate eggs. And I'm fine with that. I like dark chocolate, by the way. I like chocolate. There's a record for the largest number of peeps. You know what peeps are? Little pink chicken sweet things. I think they're yellow sometimes. Different colors today. You know, uh, and, and the record is 100 peeps in two minutes. Now, whoever did that is still buzzing around the planet with all the sugar they ingested in just two minutes. That's what's happening there. So that's part of our story because we want to celebrate the idea of celebration, of enjoyment of a good day, good time, of family, of great songs, and all that we do is birthed from this idea that Easter is a time we have to, we must, we should, we can, and we will, and we're going to celebrate no matter what. Because That's the story of Easter. But again, the celebration idea comes because it happened in a graveyard in the darkest, most difficult, evil, terrible time in human history when the only sinless man who ever lived was crucified by sinful men and laid in a tomb to be dead from now on until God entered and changed everything. And so we have God taking dead aim, dead aim at death there, and also at gloom and despair and grief and hopelessness and all that, and he tramples it underfoot in the resurre- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a great story. So I read for you the very simple uh, words to speak to what Easter is. For the first time in human history, people walked to a graveyard where someone they loved had been dead for just a couple of days, and they went for a very particular purpose. They went because they were attached to him. They loved Jesus, and he was dead. And they were grieving, they were broken, they were sad, they were crying. And that day they also went each of the first three days to anoint the body. They would roll the stone aside, or they hoped someone would do that for them, anoint the body with some sweet-smelling oils and incense to allow them to grieve at least three days. If not, the smells would continue. They wouldn't be able to go even the second day. That's why they went. Also out of love and devotion for that person. On the third day, the stone would be rolled back in front and sealed, never to be opened for until, until a year had passed. At the end of that first year, when it had passed, they would go back in there one more time and take the bones that were left, put them in an ossuary box, and then they would seal that box, and then that that would stay for eternity, and that would be it in their story. And that's what they were going to do, but that's not exactly what happened, did it? Because they went to a graveyard to mourn and heard the words, He is not here, He is risen, just as He said. What an amazing greeting. Term that I've used again and again and again on Easter and other times is that life wins because God says it wins. And we have that celebration of Easter and we feel that, we read that, we know that. Can we embrace it by stepping out of the graveyard, stepping into Easter and the story of our life? I'm going to say a sentence I've grown to embrace as a pastor for 37 years. And that sentence is this. I hate cancer. Can you say that? I hate cancer. How many have lost a loved one through cancer? How many have experienced cancer in your own life? We all know those in the world who've dealt with that terrible disease and many others in life. This last week, uh, I was part of three funerals, three in different seasons of life the young time in life with children, and just beginning to get things going. And the, and the other was more the middle time of life and enjoying teenagers and that part of the stage and looking toward retirement one day. And then the other was in the later stages of life, a mother and a grandmother. They all three died of cancer. I hate cancer. Easter says God hates it too. God hates cancer so much, he came into a graveyard to raise his son from the dead. What a great message and a great story. The words of life, the words of death, the words of resurrection, the words of faith, the words of hope that God gives us today. And so we celebrate instead of grieving today as God invests in this way. Now I'm going to read John chapter 6 of several verses for you from this chapter. But to begin with this, I need to kind of give you a background for it as well. Jesus had been teaching with his disciples for quite a long time at this point in his life, teaching the things that Jesus taught. The Beatitudes, be merciful, love God, love neighbor, uh, do not judge, turn the other cheek. Some quite amazing teachings very out of sync with the world he lived in as he taught these messages to people again and again and again. He taught people how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He taught people how to live. Love God and love your neighbor. He taught people what to believe. Believe in God, believe also in me. He did all of these things, but but now things were going to change. He started getting serious in the verses leading up to this verse I'm going to read for you in a moment. It got serious. He began saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. I am the bread of life given for the life of this world. And he began talking about his own death and his own resurrection, and how they would have to engage that one day. And many thought that was a hard saying, and so a lot of his hundreds of disciples at that time left, did not stay with him. And here's the conversation he has with a few, you know how many, 12 remained. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Some in Peter answered him, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Here's response. He didn't say, hear me please, he didn't say, Jesus, you just, we like being around you. We don't want to leave. You're a fun guy. That's not what he said. He didn't say, that thing you taught last week, that so engaged me, and, and I want to hear more about that loving God and loving neighbor stuff and being merciful and turning the other cheek. Tell me more about turning the other cheek. I want to do more of that. That's not what they said. They didn't say, oh, there's some points I want to know more about. He talks about how to pray. Can you give us some more verses? That's not quite long. I want to pray longer than the Lord's Prayer. No, no, no. He said, Jesus, you've got the words of everlasting life and you, I'm going to paraphrase, I think, the thought process, and you touch the point of humanity's greatest need and no one else does. They tell us how to bury the dead. You tell us how to raise the dead. They tell us how to grieve those that die. You tell us how we're going to live forever. You tell us how to face our own. They tell us how to face our own imminent illnesses or death or losses and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to follow the rules. And you tell us that we're going to raise the dead. I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to stick with you. And so those 12 stayed With Jesus because of who he was. He had the answer. It's it's perfectly appropriate to say, God, I'm a Christian because here's why. I like what you teach. Yes. Church is a nice place. We sing good songs. We have great performances on occasion. Today is certainly one of those. Every once in a while there's a sermon I like. But no, we are here on Easter Sunday 2015 because we know we're going to die one day. And we know we sin. Is there an answer? And Jesus says, I am the answer. I am the bread of life. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. You'll have life within you. And the resurrection follows. So here's a journey in these few verses around these questions. Jesus asked the 12, do you also want to leave? Do you also want to leave? And his answer, of course, He thinks a lot about it. He's heard the same things. But for some reason, this one fisherman is not leaving. I'm staying with you, Jesus. And that's the next verse. Simon Peter answered, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life, life and death, and only you. My own personal prayer life, one of the prayers that I pray and my connection with Christ is, Jesus, I cast my lot with you a long time ago. It's one thing I've never regretted is that choice, that I made that decision. I'm not talking about how good I am or how good anyone is or how good the church is. I'm saying, I cast my lot with Jesus. Who else would I go to? And I think, would I go here? Would I go to this person or that thought or that belief system? Would I go there? And the answer always goes, no, no, no. You made, the right, you made one right choice in your life when you chose to follow Jesus and cast your lot with him. Because, Lord, you have the words that meet me at the point of my own limitation. I'm going to die. I sin. I fail. I grieve. I sometimes lose. And your answers come in the fullness of resurrection in a graveyard, Easter in a graveyard. The third teaching point today, Matthew eighteen eleven. Jesus did not come to condemn anyone, he came to save everyone. I love that. That's what he is doing right here in this service right now. That's the intent of God in this Easter Sunday where you come together and worship and pray and sing and celebrate. He has come to us in our graveyard, gives us the Easter message, not to condemn anyone, but to simply save us. That's the will and purpose of God. He's doing that as we open our hearts to him, cast our lot with him, and say, I'm not leaving. I'm staying. Made my choice, Lord. I'm following you. You're the one with the answers. I'm not going to give up on those answers, Lord, as I struggle in life. Make my way outside the graveyard and get into the Easter good news. The next teaching point, the Apostle Paul did not preach Christianity. He preached Christ and him crucified. The Bible is very specific on this, uh, that Jesus, the church, did not come to create and build a new religion. Here's exactly what was happening. What was happening was you had a group of men and women who saw and heard and knew the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Those men and women gathered to pray and celebrate, and the Spirit of God came upon them in that very special moment. And when that happened to them, then they went forth and they began to celebrate what God had done for them and in them and through them as they went to the world with this new message of this church. And the church means the people God called out. means the call, those he called out of the graveyard into Easter. Those he called out of death and grief and legalism and condemnation and hatred and sin and all the things that mark humanity called us out of that to a greater place called Easter. And then this, this same Peter fellow who some years before said, Jesus, you've got the words of life. Where am I going to go? There's no one else who speaks to me at the point of my greatest need but you, and you do. I don't understand some of your teaching, Lord. I haven't got it all figured out. I've still got all this fisherman in me. That's who I really am. I make mistakes. I fail. I lose my temper. I say dumb things. That's Peter. That's all he was. But he knew the answer who had the answer and was the answer, and that was Jesus. And he stepped out of that room there at Pentecost. Easter had happened a few days before, and he finds himself now a preacher instead of a fisherman, and he says these words in Acts 2.24, God raises him up. God freed him from death's dreadful grip because it was impossible for death to hang on to him. The message Bible. That was the message of the church The church's message was that Christ was raised from the dead and Easter. The message was, wherever people heard it was, get out of the graveyard, join us in the Easter good news, and we'll teach you what Jesus taught you. We'll share with you what life can be for those who follow and know his teaching. But here, even more than that, step out of the graveyard, step into Easter. It's time to get out of that place. Many of us struggle there, We have a hard time leaving. We embrace grief or unfairness or hurt or those who've hurt us or those that we've hurt. Uh, we embrace too much our own sin, our own addictions. We find ourselves dealing with, with despair and brokenness and meaningless lies and hopelessness. And, and we find ourselves growing so used to that we don't know where to go or what to do. It's time to step out of that. And we cannot understand Easter without investing in the contrasting season of unfairness, of pain and of suffering, and the tragic death of the only perfect man who ever lived. He did not just die, he was crucified. He was crucified on a cross. Six hours took him to die, and there he found his way with the help of men around him to a tomb where he was buried. And we celebrate he did not remain there, Easter happened contrasting in our world our own situations of unfairness that we experience, or sin that blindsides us, and it can, or the pain and loss that can be often part of our journey, uh, suffering eventually coming our way, and knowing that death is certain. It always is certain. It's coming for us and those we love. I spent a long time in my life trying to build, this is the way that I am anyway. I like to build my life and make it be as good as it possibly can be. And so I know, what I know what I'm supposed to do. So I want to build that life the way that I want it to be. So I build uh, my, my, my mom and dad, my family, brothers and sisters, my kids, my grandkids, get it all done just the way I want it to be. I've, I've arrived. I've got this perfect Christian life. Now I go to church and I pray and I preach, you know, and then I start losing things. I start losing things. My mom, my dad, grandparents, cousins. I had a cousin die this week. And I began to realize what I built was kind of not very very sturdy at all. What I wanted to have is not something I can depend upon. But there in that place, God calls me from that situation into Easter and the promise of everlasting life and where the real building is going on, where the real kingdom is. Where hope lies in life to come, as hope enters our world, we often name as a graveyard to call us into Easter. The story of the church where we're called upon to be that is born from Easter and the Easter good news. The idea is this then. It's time to get out of the graveyard and step into Easter. It's time to do that today. And all of us have our situations that we can name. Maybe it's just depression. Despair, hopelessness, meaninglessness. Uh, maybe it's a literally an event, a happening that we've experienced. Maybe it's our own mortality we face or underst- uh, and are, are beginning to get a grip on ourselves. We don't know. It could be anything. But we're there in that place, it's time to step into Easter. That's the story of the church we're called upon to live and experience and know. That's the story that we're celebrating today at Easter, and I'm going to pray about right now. Will you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, it's so good to be here on this Easter Sunday. We thank you, God, for those who prepared for this time, the ushers and greeters and those who serve here at the Performing Arts Center. Thank you, God, for the choir orchestra and the bells and the actors and the dancers who all came to to celebrate the resurrection. God, we love doing this. God, we love Easter. We, we love being a part of what's happening and that idea that somehow, no matter how dark things are, there's some light in the world. But you know, somehow we're drawn too often to step back in that graveyard, to go back to that place and, and, grace of, and, and embrace the familiar grief and hurt and pain and loss and sin and despair that so often marks us. But today we've heard your message of the Easter good news. And we hear, God, you're calling us to enter that, to step into that, to, to, to live into that. God, help us do that in our lives today. Set us free from the bondage of what was. And give us freedom, God, to live into what will be. By your grace at work in the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ from the dead, as we celebrate Easter. So we pray in Jesus' name, amen.